Turn on your mechanical translator. Oh, uh, well, sure, of course. I've uh, got them right here. My guess is, sir, that they use microwaves for what uh, you might call person-to-person conversation. The basic idea is that there's a groove that I can follow that's exactly right for me to live in an optimal way. Truth. And soul! Truth and Soul Incorporated, the New Zealand Advertising Podcast. Hello and welcome to the third podcast from Truth and Soul Incorporated, the New Zealand Advertising Podcast. Today we break the habit of a lifetime and take the unusual step for a credit-based podcast of listening to a client. But not just any old client, Mike Watson, previously marketing director of Sky, was the checkbook behind some wonderful work over the years. Uh, In fact, I reckon uh, his name is on more award-winning work than any other single client in New Zealand. I thought it important to include clients within the creative community, as you'll always find that when great work is produced, there is a great client behind it. Uh, Today's disclaimer, as you may have picked up, we like to uh, get our apologies in before we actually make mistakes. Um, But when we talk about an individual hitting a lion, uh, I'm referring to slapping it with an open palm on its buttock. Illegal for a small child, but unlikely to do much damage to the 200 kilo killing machine. We draw the line at maiming lions for this podcast. You're listening to Truth and Soul, the New Zealand Advertising Podcast. So, uh, dear listener, today uh, <laughs> uh, I'm talking to Mike Watson um, of Sky because. X of Sky to be. It's all bigger pod, yeah. X of Sky. Uh, and Mike was the marketing director, was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for about 140 years. 140 years, uh, from uh, 2000 to 2018. Crikey, uh, yes. um, eight, 18 years, nearly 20 years. And I believe, I, I have a theory that, that no one has yet contradicted. If anyone is listening to this podcast, feel free to contradict and send in. But I, I have a theory that Mike is probably the single most awarded client in New Zealand advertising history in terms of uh, creative awards, which I, I think gives him a, a, a really key a, a role in the strength of New Zealand advertising over those years. Obviously, with um, Mike no longer at Sky and me down to, to part-time, the industry is on its last legs. <laughs> but I thought, I thought it would be interesting to... Uh, sit Mike down and, and get the, the point of view of clients of what makes good ads, mm. why on earth he does it, um, mm. uh, all that kind of stuff. So we'll start, Michael, please. Yes. Uh, and bear in mind, whilst we're old muckers, yes. we haven't worked together for like 13 years. Think, that's right. That's right. saying. That's when Sky started going downhill. Is that? Yeah, but about there. Yeah, about there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, how did you end up as marketing director of Sky? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, I, I think it's probably fair to yeah, say... So I'll edit that out later. More point. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, there is a big advantage in working in the TV industry in terms of being awarded for creative. If you, if you look at the creative awards, TV companies tend to do very well. TV instead have done very well. Media works done well. But, uh, you know, that's, yep. uh, just, just to make that point. That, that, um, that's very fair. Not as yeah. well. Not as well, but TV over-index is a little bit in terms of... Correct, because pe- people like TV. and People like yeah. the TV. There's already a lot of creativity gone into the content, particularly yeah. you know movie content and drama yeah. content. You know, If you're allowed to do an advert for Game of Thrones, 
One would hope you can produce something that would at least get some kind of bronze at Axis. You know? uh, it's a fair point. Uh, you know, it's a lot harder to do something for piles cream or something. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, well, I kind of, uh, and it's interesting when when I've told people this story, um, often they go, ah, "It's interesting." That's how I got into this industry as well. Um, kind of stumbled my way into it. I was uh, arrived here from the UK. In the 90s, I went to get a job at Sky TV. I was literally knocking on doors, selling Sky TV door to door, and then kind of climbed my way up the pole a little bit. Um, and I was running the call center, and my ex-boss, Nate Smith, came in with a magazine and uh, showed me an ad for Gordon's Gin. He said, well, what? And he said to me, what is, why do I like that advert? I said, oh, it's probably the production values. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted off. And then anyway, six months later, he walked in and said, you're, you're the marketing director. You seem to know <laughs> You seem to know a bit about that stuff. And uh, that was literally how I got the job. I, completely unqualified. That, uh, that's been obvious to me over the years. But, yeah. Yes, indeed. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of stumbled my way into it that way. So, uh, uh, and actually... Um, uh, Damon from Stapleton. DDB Sableton was telling me a similar story how he uh, made a joke about napalm or something to to his boss in South Africa and he said you're the kind of guy we need and uh, just a little you know a little snippet of conversation turned into something great for me. I, I always dreamt that that was going to happen to me but yeah but yeah. It, it never did nobody you probably went to you know you probably got qualified and everything so well yeah, well I had to because nobody liked my little quips or right. my, my breakdown of, of Gordon's so it, it's very interesting that one of the most successful marketers in New Zealand over the last 20 years uh, has got no formal training whatsoever. None at all. Doesn't really know what he's doing. Not really. Completely wings it, and yet yes. and yet wings it in a very good direction. Now, th this plays into the hands of Gary V, who you <clears throat> may or may not have heard of, but he's, he's a guy who says that um, all marketing education is a waste of time. But uh, Mark Ritson, of course, on the other side, would say that that's disgraceful and you, and you need to have done marketing. Well, uh, I mean, I, I don't know Mr. V too well. Mark Ritson, I'm a big fan of Mark Ritson. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think he'd, he'd be equally um, interesting if he had no formal qualifications on marketing. I mean, most of it's common sense. If, if Even the, st I mean, the stuff he says is mostly common sense. And he looks at work, looks at trends, uh, you know, this kind of slobbering love affair that people have with digital over tv and the like you know that seems to me to be common sense it probably gives him a a certain um credence that he wouldn't otherwise have when he's turning up to talk to packed venues but uh you know i i, I common sense yes but somebody has to put that common sense into you so you go uh, you go ah oh, okay yeah i see what you're saying that makes sense yeah I th but i think there are some kind of fundamentals you need to understand about human nature that uh, will um lead you in the right path about making good marketing decisions you know i mean i mean uh, humans have been we're going to get very deep very quickly but i mean humans uh -oh. humans haven't changed in 10,000 years and marketing was only invented as a, as as a, a discipline you know 100 years ago so i don't know make something of that yes no that, that, that's true and I hoped you wouldn't bring the 10,000-year thing up. There's a couple of old dinosaurs sitting here, but 
you've knocked the head off that spot, so to speak. Um, so, anyway, so that's how I got into it. And look, there's no doubt I learned on the job. Absolutely, you know. I mean, I, I can remember the first advert I approved. Uh, we've got all day, so I can ramble on, can't I? Uh oh. <laughs> edit, edit this out, Jonathan. At, yeah. at the time, we um, Sky had this strange mix of um, the Discovery Channel and the horse racing channel <laughs> because we were desperate for bandwidth and uh we went to the tab and said when there's no racing on can we rent your space we've got education so that school kids can get into gambling get into gambling so we had this kind of weird david attenborough followed by the 230 <laughs> yeah. and so anyway the decision was made to split those out that wasn't working quite so well and i wanted a campaign to um to to make that point that these things didn't mix so well so we've changed them and um, I remember seeing a few concepts, and eh, you know, it's not really, not really working for me. Can we get something a bit more punchy, a bit more? Punch, what a, what edgier, a great, great edgier. feedback, edgier, yeah. And so I think it was Janiel at the time. Um, Janiel Rawback. Janiel Rawback yeah. came up with the concept of uh, Osama bin Laden using rosary beads, and uh, okay, which was. <laughs> Tick the box for edgy. <laughs> See, that's more like that kind of thing. That's the kind of thing, you know, a bit more, you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, about uh, on the on the morning of print, Martin O'Halloran rang me. For those, for our listener who doesn't know Martin O'Halloran, think of kind of Carson from uh, Downton Abbey. You know, he's that kind of figure, a modern I, version. I don't watch Downton Abbey, Mike. I'm, I'm too young. But... Yes, yes, well. So he rang me in something of a blind pa- the butler, yeah. <laughs> he rang me in a kind of blind panic and said, "I've just seen this this thing is kind of print. I've cancelled everything, Mike. I'm sorry. I, I, I've had to. I wanted to talk to you as quickly as possible. You know, he was he was literally worried about having a fatwa issued yeah. against us. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so, so the agency CEO. Well, I think uh, Marty. Marty was, was the, the CEO. M- was the M- he was probably the MD at the time, I think. Doug I think he was the MD. He was the MD, yeah. MD was more worried about the ads than the client. He was more worried about Typical. the ads than the client. Well, well, and in, in fairness to him, he was 100% he was, right. Yeah. And uh, I was 100% wrong. And, and, uh, uh, the reason I tell that story is to illustrate the point, that the faith that was shown in me to, to do the job, I mean, the first couple of years, I was absolutely winging it. And so circling back to the point about Ritz, and yeah, could I have done with two years at university studying marketing? Wouldn't have done me any harm, that's for sure. But I don't think it precludes a great career in marketing for anybody because there are some technical technical things you need to pick up on, no doubt about that. You know, understanding the the industry, um, but there is still some intuitive common sense. Yeah, that you and were so, lacking. So circling back to your point about what was his name? It wasn't Bobby V. It was Bobby Gary v. Gary V. Fifties. Gary V. Yeah. Gary V. and Ritson. There's probably Marketing somewhere education. in the middle where you can uh, where, where, where would be the ideal, but I don't think either route precludes you. There, there are some hugely qualified people who are completely uh, paralysed by their by their um, education. Yes, and some people on the other end of the spectrum who don't know shit from dates. Well, was you paralysed by incompetence? More, <laughs> Paralyzed by confidence completely. It's great. It gives me a chance to get my own back on you after all. So uh, yeah. So. Um, Okay, getting back to me. Yeah, getting back to you. So I, I came over in, in 2000. Yes. And one of the first briefs I had was um, with Pete Thompson. Yeah. Who is celebrated his 143rd birthday last Happy week. Happy birthday. Hi, Pete. I don't think you listen to podcasts, but 
um, with Pete Thompson, and we we were asked to do a couple couple of um, TV ads for Sky. Yeah, and I thought brilliant. As you say, TV that's you know more interesting than piles cream. So uh, uh, Pete and I sat down. We great tagline there. Uh, yes, Sky. <laughs> more interesting than piles cream. We'll, we'll try and sell it into your um, a new man. New man. Uh, so we wrote these scripts, and I remember Kath Watson, who was uh, mm. head of OMD, uh, we yeah, had a group meeting, and we said, right, we've got these scripts ready for Sky. And uh, uh, Kath laughed at the scripts and went, well, of course, they'll never buy them. Yeah. And I I was fresh off the boat from the UK, and I'm like, well, what do you mean? That's not that's not, not the attitude. And then she goes, oh, they might. There's a, there's a new marketing director in. Uh, so we went, we went down, and, and next thing I know, we're making yeah those ads. So do you remember that? I remember. I obviously remember it very vividly because, um, you know, I mean, the, we'll talk about that whole campaign maybe, yeah. maybe a little bit more. But I mean, those ads were the start of an exponential growth in Sky TV. Now there's causation and correlation works, yeah, yeah. and, and you can get a far too scientific about it. But um, you know, you know, I think what those ads did. Sorry, just for the listener, yes. this is uh, the the ad. I don't know if we can put them on the website. I don't know if we have the technology. They're on YouTube, I think. Uh, I link. They're on uh, YouTube. Uh, one is called Scoreless. I think it was it was the guy, uh, the guy trying not to find out the score That's for right. the rugby, and he found it on a newspaper by mistake. And the other one was the Mark and Marty, the big guy and the little guy going into a booking a motel room to watch the rugby and the chambermaid comes around and thinks that they're for gay sex, which yes. was you know, quite reasonable Back in presumption. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Probably couldn't run that ad now, actually. Well, we'll, we'll get on to the bestiality later. <laughs> and interrupting myself, I made a note of the funniest ad that we didn't make on that campaign, which we'll come to later, which Bridget next door to where we're recording this Okay. Oh, all right. Which you may remember or, or otherwise. Right. But well, anyway. I, I, she's in next week, hopefully, so I'll ask her. I'll ask her, yeah. yeah. Um, so those ads, I mean, I think what happened with, with, with that campaign was that, um, you know, Kiwis loved them, first of all. I mean, they were, they were, they were absolutely hilarious. A- and at a deeper level, I, I think people looked at those characters and said, they're kind of lovable losers, you know. And sums uh, us up, really. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Apart from the lovable bit. <laughs> and and, and I, I, you know, I think that really struck a chord with New Zealanders that, uh, you know, uh, they had massive talkability. You know, if you go to the golf clubs and the pubs, people were literally talking about those adverts and striking up a conversation about Sky TV. And the, 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 the advocates for Sky were using that advert and that campaign as a way to advocate for getting a Sky TV subscription. And I think we saw a massive growth in Sky TV off the back of those campaigns directly. Now, there were other things going on as well. Sky yeah. acquired a lot more content. We added channels and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, those ad, that campaign, those ads played a huge part in um, the growth of Sky TV. I'm absolutely convinced of that, which is something that doesn't happen so much nowadays. There's very few ads out there that have that kind of level of talkability. But yes, getting back to your original point, I do remember those camp- the, the, the the pitch very well uh, because I I shat myself laughing at the scripts, which was the technical marketing term, technical marketing myself. term, which was um, you know the test of whether we get a great campaign or not. You know, 
um, you 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 can't you, you can't fool yourself. I guess you can fool yourself. You shouldn't fool yourself about what's truly humorous. And, and you know, we used to have this. We used to have this uh, phrase: uh, if we're going to do humor, can it please be funny? You know, because yeah. so many, so many, particularly radio ads are so fucking lame. You know, the, yeah. the humor is terrible. And so those ads were were, and that whole campaign was hilarious. Well, I think you know we we thought so, um, but in in terms of uh, if we're going to do comedy, can it please be funny? Yeah, I, I want to do every practically unless you're talking about serious subjects, every yeah. ad should be funny. No one ever complained that the, that they didn't like the an, an ad because it was too funny. No, that's true. I, I think one of the problems, the if I can advise your industry, one of the areas your um, hands strung on is if you think about how creativity generally has changed in the last 40 years, you know, um, I know you're a big fan of Afterlife. You, you, yes, you know the, Ricky that, Gervais show. That theme, the language you use. The, there's jokes about paedophilia. The C bombs dropped. Every yeah. You, you, know, you know, TV has moved massively in the last forty years. Cinemas moved massively, and yet advertising is is restrained by these crazy rules about what's allowed. Mm. And so you can't do cutting edge humour in in New Zealand in advertising. So it tends to end up being a bit kind of safe, in my view. Anyway, that's kind of, and also that's not the fault of the creatives. That's the that's the restriction put on you by the advertising standards people. You know, what? and uh, sorry, to finish that point. Yeah. It's kind of mad. You could be watching a TV show that's full of very adult themes, and then you go to the ad break, and if you if you show someone drinking a beer, you get reported to the yes advertising. It, it just seems madness to me that there's not more. Um, uh, less, less restrictions on what we, what you guys can do, well, I, from a humour perspective. I, I remember shooting the third end in that in that Sky series. We actually shot in Sydney. Don't tell yes. anyone. Uh, but we were in a pub, and we and we had people drinking in a pub, and we couldn't have anything that looked like beer in their glasses, even That's though right. it was a wide shot, and, and, and no one would ever notice it. It had to be uh, a clear liquid or yeah. uh, what could pa- pass as Coke, which is exactly. probably more harmful than beer. Yeah. But. So 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 I'm just contrasting. Advertising, and I mean, God knows, not all clients want to have um, uh, you know cutting edge kind of humour, but there's no opportunity for you to do that stuff, particularly on television. So, so it's no wonder that people end up doing heavily retail, short term stuff, um, whether they do humour or not. But, you yeah. know, th- th- there's such creative restrictions on what you can do compared to other creative industries. I guess is the point I'm making. Yes. Now, now I, I, uh, for me, comedy is a it, is a very very tricky beast mm-hmm. and it um bill burnback i think said it's uh, a, a, a film can be uh, an ad can be great or rubbish depending on who it rubs up against uh, yeah. and i and i think that we were lucky in in that respect if we accept that those ads were funny and that maybe people out there disagree they can i never met anybody disagree with those ads being funny in fact i met one person who said they went front? And he was the was CEO of Sky. <laughs> he, he liked those ones. Yeah. Um, uh, no, the, a colleague of mine said, "Oh, those two buffoons running around! You're dragging the brand down." And uh, you know, but I think that was uh, it, it, the, the, a lone. There's voice. always one. Yeah, there's always one. But there was, 
uh, to my mind, they, they were uh, hopefully they, they were quite good scripts. But they had uh, a marketing director who went, "Those are funny. Let's make them." Not, um, "Oh, let's change this a bit and let's change that a bit." And could that happen? And could that happen? And do, do they have to go into a motel? And or aren't you implying that, that there's homosexuality going on? And, and there's a million reasons that it, it could have been made harder. Yes, but you had a, a supportive client with a, a sense of humour. I've done ads before in the UK that have with Ricky Gervais that have won um, uh, on radio, won a, a number of awards, uh, um, bigger. You know, go into the ins and outs but you know have been well re- regarded as highly funny ads and the client when um didn't want to run it and said that's not funny it's just irritating yeah um so you know you need somebody to to give the green light with uh, a sense of humor that is aligned we also had uh, as a director paul middleditch yeah who went who who said to me at the time i, th- I thought he was blowing smoke up my ass as a technical phrase again goes he he said that those Sky ads opened the doors to him in the states. He'd go round to to see people in the US, and they loved them. Yeah, they right. thought, and he got he got uh, he said that kickstarted his career. He got a number of great jobs, went on to win um, uh, Can Golds and whatever, and is still um, one of the funniest directors in Australasia. I think yeah. one of the most irritating people I know, Middleditch. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because um, you know, I think that does come back to the fact that there were really you know a small team working on that and uh you know for my part i I try to be a little bit brave in terms of in terms of uh approving the idea and and i think the fact and you know i'll acknowledge my boss at the time who um just let me get on with it you know can we name him john follett uh who just let me get on with it and um you know, he he really um, didn't involve himself in the creative side. He's like, you know, what some CEOs do. And That's I think good. did he have a sense of humor? Great sense of humor, very yeah. dry sense of humor. And I think a lot of marketing directors who would have been in a similar position to me are always conscious about what the board think and what the CEO thinks yeah. and what the CEO's wife thinks. And and uh, you know. Will, will it go well in Australia and it, you know all, all that kind of stuff, yeah. which is a, which is a very limiting, uh, diluting kind of influence. And if you're worried about, you know, as, as we discussed previously, you have enough restrictions already, and then you start adding in all these layers of um, accountability, you end up with a diluted idea. And I think you can see that in executions on TV all the time, even now, you know now, even more now, for sure, that, that you end up with a with a an idea that probably started out as quite funny and has been amended to the point of, uh, to the point of being, you know, completely vanilla. Yeah. Well, to me, it, it, it gets a bit like a, a Rubik's cube. You can start with a you know, perfectly six sided, yeah. equal colored. And then, well, can we just change this square and can we just change that square? And, yeah. could, and, and each square that you change changes something else and you end up, um, yeah. with a mess. That everybody signs off. So the, uh, uh, but having said all that, I wasn't brave enough to do the ad that uh, I mentioned before that Bridget wrote, yeah. which basically involve Mark and Marty, the big guy and the little guy, trying to watch Sky TV, trying to find somewhere to watch Sky TV. And they'd been in the motel, been in the pub. They'd look through someone's window, you know, remember the girl's bedroom they were looking through to try and watch the rugby and all that kind of stuff. Um, and 
uh, the last place we tried was a was a nursing home where uh, they saw a TV in this old guy's bedroom. So they kind of went in through reception, bluffed their way in, saw the TV, and then uh, realized the power wasn't on. So unplugged something and plugged in the TV, started watching the rugby that actually unplugged the guy's life support machine. So he was he was kind of flailing his arms around, and the big guy says, "That's it, Granddad. <laughs> Enjoying the rugby. That's it, Granddad. <laughs> That's it, Granddad. Enjoy the rugby." Yeah. Uh, that one was too far for me. I thought that was uh, that was probably going to go. Well, well I think I think it I think it would have been I I, I think it would have been funny. It, yeah, it would have been funny. When you think, well, the well the other one that I'm that. Um, I know uh, uh, Gavin Siakimoto and Hugh James um, really wanted to do was the penguin. Remember the penguin? Yeah, the penguin one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they throw the penguin off the uh, penguin. Fly away, fly, little yeah. bird. <laughs> it just goes splat. Yeah. Probably my, uh, <laughs> my lack of understanding that penguins don't actually fly was probably. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I, I, I think that was holding back. What was. Um, I think what, what was. You had a, a great sense of confidence, Mike, and you didn't you didn't get flustered. I'll go into a, a couple of things where you m- might have um, thought of getting flustered. One was when um, the big guy had sex with a gorilla. Yes. It was off camera, but yeah. he had sex with – and people wrote in complaining about um, Sky showing bestiality in their, That's right. in their TV ads, and you kind of went, whatever. You know, if, if no one's complaining, then – if no one's complaining, then you're not. Uh, I'll quote Burnbeck now. If your advertising goes unnoticed, everything else is academic. And so, I mean that that was suggested that humour as well, completely defendable. Yeah. You better explain the script, Paul. They were they were in the in the jungle trying in to the jungle just off Bethel's Beach, just off Bethel's <laughs> Beach, representing the Ecuadorian jungle, looking for gorillas. Um, uh, Cong- Congolese jungle, I Congolese think. Congolese jungle, yeah. right? And and um, a gorilla came up. Uh, oh, the gorilla had had uh, problems. It was a female gorilla. It had problems with her mate because the gorilla's penis is actually, it's a medical term, so we can say it's actually uh, very small. And uh, I came across uh, Mark Newer, who, who was the big guy, who is a big guy, and the, the gorilla quite fancied him because she thought he might be better hung than her partner and dragged him off into a bush. And I think the, the the advert was around the fact that if you don't have Sky, you couldn't understand, um, uh, you know, you're missing out on all the great stuff on the Discovery Channel. I think was where we were kind of going with that. There was a point to that. I, there was, I think there was a point I, to that. I think it was gratuitous gorilla sex. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other the other one was when, I, 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 I'm guessing you remember this, was when we shot an ad. And I, I had to come into you cap in hand and, and say, and it was a, it was set in a police station. I do remember that. Set in a police station, and it had um, uh, Mark and Marty being uh, interv- it was a interviewed by the Sorry. by the by a policeman, and then it, I, I suddenly realised after it had been shot that we'd shot an ad very similarly, like two months before, mm. uh, for Cabri that was set in a police station with two people being interviewed it was one of those incredible moments as a creative director you're covering all yeah you know, all all the clients and you've shot two ads that that are hugely same and no one's noticed and the one person who should have noticed above anyone is you um because I, I went to martin and, and i you, you know yeah and i said um 
Yes. I said, oh, um, Marty, we've got a slight issue here. And he went, he went quite quiet for a bit. <laughs> and um, he said, look, do you want me to speak to Mike? And I said, no, it's my, my fault. I'll go and speak to Mike. I remember you arriving with the flowers. <laughs> and the chocolates. Yeah, so I, I, look, I, I, I mean, I do remember that. At the end of the day, we ended up with a – you created a new ad um, where they were kind of – we, we filmed that one down in uh, all these exotic locations. In by the poo ponds in yeah. Mangaree. Um, so we ended up with better ads, so it was, it was fine. Um, I think the other thing that, that uh, we did well while we are on the subject of congratulating each other yeah. was we actually made script changes constantly – on the morning of the ad where they're doing the show home on the floor. Yeah, on the floor. We changed that script literally just before the cameras turned over, you know. And I think that's that really speaks to the fact that uh, it was you and Collaboration. Me, you, you and I collaborating, yeah. but also being prepared to kind of make a make what, the change. Was it? Whereas a, a lot of clients and agencies would really struggle with that whole notion of, Yes. Or how on earth you can't even change a word if you work at? I won't mention other clients. So other clients I work with, um, you know, it's got to go to Singapore, then it's got to go to London. Yeah, you, you, you know, even if, if you wanted to change a logo color, you know, it's just madness. Absolutely, I think that that's a very Im- important part of it, and it happened uh, a number of a number of times mm. where we'd be on set. If you remember, um, Unix, yes. Um, where, the, where the guys applied to be uh, a look after the girls in the master's harem in That's right. 15th century Babylon or somewhere. Constantinople. Right. Yeah, Constantinople. Um, and the the last, the, the last uh, we were really struggling to get the last um, line out, and mm. we were um, – spitballing it i think as the americans say on set and then we came out with just one question which yes. worked really well and interestingly i didn't realize it at the time but looking at the way that they make friends when they make friends the sitcom that was hugely popular in the some time ago mm-hmm. uh, when they made it they would shoot it live in front of the studio audience and if they weren't getting laughs at the, the at the key point they would stop and the actors and the director would talk to the audience and they would actually try out yeah, right. live a number of different lines to see which one they preferred and which one got the best laugh. Okay. And it's, I thought that was really interesting. Whereas it's all the technical filmmaking now, and with Nail and I, which is one of my favourite um, uh, British comedies from the 80s, I think, great, great cult film if you want to see it, written by Bruce Robinson, who's an Australian, written and directed – with Richard E. Grant in it, and I remember them interviewing Richard E. Grant about the movie, and and them saying, "Oh yeah, I bet there was a, you know, there was how much ad libbing went on." And he said, "Not one syllable." The right. director would not let them change one thing. But I guess that was the director's vision, rather than a bunch of people sitting around the camera going, "Maybe it could be funnier." Yeah. Right. And the what other, are you advocating for then? The, your favorite movie, or your the way you make ads? I, I'm I'm just trying to make myself sound educated in the world of <laughs> in the world of filmmaking i'm not sure if it's succeeding um what well, one more we'd we'll stop mutual patting on the back and i'll mm. step aside and just bet you on the back one more uh, lions yes so th- this was kind of interesting we we'd been running this camp 
we, you'd been running this campaign for whatever, uh, three, three years or so, and it'd been doing really well. But somewhere yes. in yourself or in the Sky organization, when Mark and Marty, oh, they're getting a bit tired, do they stretch into other areas? Maybe we should. There was the chairman at the time. Get rid of, oh, yeah. Who said, oh, these two, I'm doing Aussie accent, these yeah. two bloody losers you got yeah. roaming around the place. I mean, what kind of message you're sending to people about, you know, about women? What about families? Yeah. Well, oh. So, um, oh, a dream client, the chairman. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's saying, oh, look at him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, that's not Peter McCourt, by the way. Mm. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so, so we were forced to do uh, something else. And I'll, I'll let you obviously t- t- tell the story of the ad, but um, uh, I literally flew under the radar with that because I knew Discovery Channel would, wouldn't like it because it's way too risque. Way too risque for them. Yeah. So uh, at the time, I had this kind of communications blackout with all the channel providers yeah. because you, you, they'd agonise over where rain you, fade. Yeah, yeah, they'd agonise over where you place their logo in relation, and you'd have these endless conversations about that type of thing. Yeah. So the idea of trying to get a script approved by any of them was yeah. hopeless. So, so I literally said, as far as they're concerned, I, d- I don't exist. If they yeah. see the ad, this is prior to YouTube, so they had to be yeah. in New Zealand. <laughs> we literally pulled the ad off TV when they were visiting, uh, mm. visiting us in in New Zealand. You know, so they didn't see it. So tell, explain the ad. Okay, so explain that. So we had uh, it was like Mark and the um, lovely Australian chairman went. Got to get rid of those two losers. Yes, I think he actually meant you and me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. did. Get get rid of Mark and Marty. We need we need to have a, a change of campaign. So we so we did um, one of the scripts which uh, uh, Gavin. Sekimoto and Hugh James wrote actually was it was two zebras the original script was two zebras at home uh, and I, I said this was my great knowledge great uh, filmic knowledge I'd shot uh, ad for Schweppes some years previously when I was in the UK well that was in Florida featuring every single animal known to man and I knew what it was like shooting with animals and I said you can't shoot zebras because they're very skittish they won't they keep Wow. moving around you're far better off with lions i know it sounds silly but your lion will you know give him a good antelope steak and he'll sit there quietly for hours without doing anything so, well, so uh, change uh, it to change it to lions on, and we're going to run the outtake of all time on that set you're going to talk about that aren't you uh, yeah i was gonna i was gonna i was gonna talk about that <laughs> so josh frizzell i think shot it he did. We're, we're in a uh studio in west auckland i can't remember where we got the lions from you got them from that lion man up in northland oh the lion man yeah he he ended up uh where else would you get a lion <laughs> no no he's 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 got a he had a wildlife park up there yeah um and then you had mark vetti come down as well he's the animal training yeah, he trains dogs so it, you know <laughs> so easy he'll be fine easy leap for him to get yeah. there yeah so so we had a, a big a big cage with the set inside the cage yeah and the lion, the lion are sitting on the sofa. The idea, the idea of the ad is that the it, it's a suburban house where two lions live, and they're watching the Discovery Channel. Uh, and the male lion has just come. He's all contained sex. I don't know. The male lion, sex. the male lion has just come back from its holiday in Africa. We went on his own, but Discovery Channel had filmed him in flagrante with another female lion. And this comes yes, up on, tel- on, on telly while they're while they're watching it. Uh, cue raucous laughter. But while we're shooting it, we needed a reaction from the male lion who was sitting on the sofa, which was made to look like cloth, was actually made of 
plywood, sit on the sofa, and there was a lion tamer behind the uh, behind the sofa, and uh, who would stick his head above and do what was required to get the lion to act. And at, and at one at one point, uh, Josh Frizzell, as a doctor, wasn't happy with the reaction we got from the lion, so he said, um, "The great." Great direction line, hit him harder. <laughs> so the poor man stuck his head up above the sofa, smacked the lion on the ass, and um, it didn't eat him. But he wasn't happy. It wasn't too far. It wasn't too. Uh, he, he wasn't too far away from being eaten. The, the lion. We certainly got the reaction that we needed for the for the shot. But uh, yeah, that would have been it, the outtake of. It uh, was fun. I, I wish, yeah, I'm, I wish we'd um, got that got that on yeah. camera. Is it <laughs> hit him harder? Um, so um, one one last thing about that. That's true. So we we filmed three or four ads, including the Lion, which was the best one. Mm. Which I think I think won maybe one out of the year in New Zealand. I yeah. don't know. It, it people liked it, and and we shot about four of them. And a year later, uh, after they'd all run, we did some research and we said, "What do you think of Sky's advertising?" And they went, "We love Sky advertising. That big guy and the little guy—they're brilliant, aren't they?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one had even noticed that the that the campaign had changed. And it was, yeah. uh, I think, important learning. So we went back to using Mark and Marty yeah. 18 months after they'd been taken off and nobody noticed that for a year yeah. and a half we'd been doing something else. Yeah, and I think that is very instructive, isn't it, in terms of, uh, you know, character-led advertising yes. and, you know, all that emotional connection that uh, humans crave and... Uh, these well, likable characters. Well, can, can you imagine what would happen if ASB brought back Goldstein? Yeah. Um, it would be interesting. Mm. Um, anyway, so I'd, the the, the oh, key yeah. to the key to that the key to that though, I think, is um, you know how you develop the. I don't know how you go about developing Goldstein into you know towards the end. Some of the some of the scripts are getting a bit kind of tired, and um, you, you know I guess that's the key to longevity. And, you know, I was thinking about when you asked me to come and do this, yeah. you know, some of the campaigns that are enduring. I didn't ask him. He insisted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there's there, there's few few campaigns in New Zealand now that have that kind of enduring nature. I mean, when I was a kid, we used to have the freaking Oxo family. And even in New Zealand 20 yeah. years ago, there was the Anchor family, all that kind of yeah. stuff. But you don't see any of those nowadays. I think that's because, it, I don't know why, maybe there's less investment in TV and it's all gone digital. Well, I think even before even before did, uh, digital came in, I I I struggle to see it. It works so well now. Uh, Goldstein is is mm. arguably so, so. One issue we had with with Sky certainly in those days was that you couldn't advertise on TV and Is that right? It, at times they would take us off. Yeah. yeah. So it was ma- it was mainly on TV three. Yeah. So they weren't they weren't seen as much as as. No, um, as much as they could be. So, if you, t- if you take, say, Goldstein as the most um, uh, New Zealanders' favourite ad of the last uh, fifteen years or so, mm-hmm. um, wh- why hasn't it? Why hasn't it been repeated? People, mm-hmm. not necessarily for ASB, though that is a question, but for for others. And I, many times over my life, I've, I've my sorry life. When I was three, no, over my, over my what, what I laughingly refer to as a career, I've gone. Hey, why don't we do? And it's a strange reluctance among mm. clients to do long-standing, interesting, 
where you develop the character and uh yeah yeah i, I yeah that is strange isn't it um because i think with goldstein i don't think the public got bored of goldstein i i think you're right the scripts yeah. were maybe which is difficult because when you when they started i think it was like hey we're doing something new and you could do interesting stuff and then towards the end everyone's got a point of view everybody within the client organization yeah. and the agency organization uh, ha- who, who none of whom probably started working on the campaign has, uh, has an idea of what made it successful and what they should do to make it funnier and how they should um, integrate the products and what, what was wrong with the ones before. And you end up with a mishmash yeah. where I think for, um, for us with Mark and Marty, it was you, me, Pete Thompson. That's right. And that was it. Yeah, so we're, we're in uh, we're in violent agreement with each other that right. uh, character led uh, advertising with longevity is a great thing. I, I can only imagine the reluctance is uh, that uh, you know, unlike me, where I was uh, in the same role for eighteen years, I had a long yeah. tenure. Most marketing directors are three to four years, yeah. and they come in and do their thing, and then move on to something else. And so there's probably a professional reluctance to go. Oh, that's gold scene. That's that was Barbara Chapman's thing. And I don't want to be, you yeah. know, that was 10 years ago and yeah. we moved on and now with this and that. So, so I, I would imagine that's the main reason for uh, the lack of longevity, uh, uh, the lack of character development, that it's, um, you know, there's a lot of short termism in marketing. Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of the, just getting the numbers in, but also creatively, there is a lot of short termism as well, you know? Yes. Yeah. We're, we're, with the uh, new creative directors coming in, we'll come to that. Um, but uh, the, the other thing ab- about um, uh, Goldstein, I've, I've heard clients and agency people, but clients mainly refer to the Goldstein effect, the, the Goldstein yeah. problem, which is when uh, he, uh, when the, he came off air after, I don't know, ten, seven, 10 years, whatever. It was a real problem because it was a real problem to replace him. But nice you go, yeah, you've had seven, I don't know, 10 years of fantastic, of being one of the most popular ads in yeah. New Zealand. Everyone is aware of complete um, visibility. And wow. if you decide to stop that, yes, it, it is going to be difficult. But don't look at the issue that you have then. Look at the 10 years of success that you've had. And, and to go, well, we're not going to start down that path because in 10 years' time we're going to have a problem is that lunacy. Is, that is absolute lunacy. I mean, who on earth saying that stuff? The idea that you're worried about making a campaign that's too successful because when you finish it, yeah, you won't know what to replace it with. That, that, that is utter madness. I'm not naming names, Mike. That is, well, that is complete madness, isn't it? I mean, mm. how on earth can you proceed on that basis? You, you know, I think given as we just discussed that there are very few enduring campaigns nowadays, there is a fantastic opportunity for somebody to, you know, do a gold scene or an anchor family or a, whatever it might be that really connects with Kiwis, you know. You, uh, you need the clients to go. Yeah. I want a five, ten year plan to make this thing work, you know. And, and I think that speaks to you know, TV advertising generally, which is, you know, you've got 30, 60 seconds to do something great. They cost a fortune to do something really, really good. And the the door is open to the coffee. That's brilliant. And um, just for me. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And um, maybe it's just all a bit too rich in terms of the investment for, um, Oh yes, thank you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. Sorry, listeners. Quick, quick coffee break. Maybe it's just all a bit too rich Cheers, for I'd, people I'd, to sorry, I'd, uh, actually. Mike, let, let's have a. I'll press. Uh, take it. Life into my head. Press. It. You're listening to Truth and Soul. Uh, uh, okay, Mike. As much fun as it was talking about the the real glory days for Sky, mm. we'll have to come on to um, the mundane because that that takes us up to about two. 2006 yes. we've only got another five hours to go of the podcast <laughs> so so what are some of the highlights uh that uh, of the work that um you've been invo- been involved in since um i wandered off the scene um i think the best the one that sticks in the mind most is the rugby world cup 2013 that was in new zealand mm-hmm. uh i think gavin who you mentioned already wrote that. Wasn't it 2011? Scripts. Yeah, could have been 2011. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, uh, at the time, uh, Sky TV subscriptions were plateauing a little. Um, I mean, uh, you know, maturing type Th- of This was the Sergeant Major. The Sergeant Major, yeah. dr- the drill sergeant. Drill idea. sergeant, yeah. And, and uh, I was really keen. I mean, one thing that's interesting about TV subscription, and I guess most subscriptions, that there's consumers tend to wait to the very, very last minute to get a um, to get a subscription. So they see all the activity, and they know what their lives are going to be like at the time. You know, if you're going six months out, uh, asking them to make a decision about something that's happening in you know six three months is difficult. So they tend to wait to the last minute to get a subscription. And so what I wanted to do was go very early with that campaign uh, in order to try and reduce. Uh, disconnects from the platform yeah so the idea would be skies at the rugby world cup in 2011 let's start that advertising 2010 so trying to keep a campaign going for that long uh was difficult particularly if you're just going to use kind of footage and if you look at the spark stuff now for this rugby world cup it's basically footage i mean it's perfectly solid work you know um in terms of retail execution you can have a point of view on that paul the the word people probably like your Australian chairman who have gone more sky. It's all about the program. Show the you know, show footage of this, footage of that, yeah. footage. Of that. And and there are promos. And if you look at, uh, I know if you watch American sport, but I watch ESPN a lot for the NFL. Hmm. And the breaks are are just that, are just footage. And there's no you, you tire of that so yeah. so quickly. It's wallpaper. Yeah. Um, uh, now Spark have an advantage in that it's new for them, so people aren't new to the idea of Spark having sports, so that's probably enough to get them going. But, but anyway, um, as you say, Sky has huge, endless amounts of content, yeah. and doing a edit with a rock track and a logo at the end does tire. And so we definitely didn't want to do that, particularly for a long spell. And so, again, we wanted a character-led campaign. And so when I think back to that campaign, there were like five or six executions that were all very funny, all uh, driven around the idea that uh, Sky had to step up in terms of production to take on the Rugby World Cup because Sky was not only um, uh, uh, broadcasting the the tournament, uh, Sky was also the host broadcaster. So we were yeah. doing the world feed. So there was, And there's always that kind of Kiwi um on the global stage thing so the idea that we would run uh for a year out from the from the tournament itself 2010 2010 thank you mm. um 
was in the brief and the idea of this drill sergeant coming over and training the troops uh, had longevity. Yeah. And I think that was my favorite, the favorite ad we've run um, that was that was commercially and creatively successful. My favorite ad we ever did. Sorry, ju- ju- yes. just, just on, the, on that um, point, Mike, because I think I've uh, very arrogantly on our behalf omitted uh, some very important other characters in this progress who, yes. who, who carried on long after I'd gone. Um, Rose. Yes. Melissa. Yes. Faye. Judy Thompson. Who, 100%. Um, uh, producers, suits, um, and media. So they, you know, all of, all of those people worked, you know, a long time. They certainly time did. Sky. They certainly and, did. And I know that, um, certainly Melissa and Faye will stab me if I don't mention them. So, hi guys. <laughs> Completely. I mean, yeah. there, there, there's, uh, well, you know, when, when we've talked about there being less layers and less people involved, um, let's not confuse that with me and you sitting in a turning room. up with a cine room. <laughs> What's the idea, Mike? Oh, I like that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that, that would be yeah. completely ridiculous. So, you know, yeah. a huge army of people doing stuff. Uh, and by the way, uh, as the client, a lot of that stuff is done, um, you know, back at house. And yeah. so they turn up in my office with a smile on their face yeah. and uh, ask me if I want a coffee and I don't see all the pain that uh, people like Faye and Melissa and the others and Rose, yeah. you know, went through to, to, to execute these things. There's a massive amount of work goes into mm. to, uh, to, to, to making great work. So absolutely. So, so thanks guys. And, and it's funny that uh, Gavin uh, Sekimoto keeps coming up as um, – involved in that. Well, you know a lot more than I would, but I mean, uh, Gavin's a fantastic creator, very unassuming kind of character. Um, he's loud, he's brash, outspoken. <laughs> yeah, very, very quiet guy, but um, um, surprisingly quite funny. Surprised me. Very funny. Yeah. So that would be my, that would be my favorite in terms of high profile and shot by Tim Bullock. Successful shot by Tim Bullock. Shot by Tim Bullock, yeah. Um, I think the funniest ad we did, maybe this was under your tenure or not, um, picking up on my boss's uh, remit of don't involve me in anything, mm. uh, I took it upon myself to um, working with Travis Dunbar, who was our programming guy. We were worried about the, the, the buy rates for our adult content that we had. And yes. so we did a campaign called Think Fresh. I think is still on YouTube somewhere. It's it is the funniest ad. It basically is full of double entendres out of the uh, adult film industry. Uh, I, I think. Uh, um, I don't remember. Did was it possibly Bridget? I think it was Bridget who wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that was. So she went to Urban Dictionary and looked up every possible sexual deviation. I, I don't Deviant. think Bridget had to go to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> And put it into just a, asked around the department. Put it into a film that said there were kind of beef curtains and uh, <laughs> and uh, choking the chicken and uh, up the dirt track and. And how did the board take to that? Uh, well, luckily it was defensible, defendable in that um, they were double entendres. So so uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> you you needed to have a dirty mind in order to get the joke. Yeah. So 
So the my, my boss wasn't too pleased with it actually because um, John Follett. No. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, you know, in fact, I think he was probably right. We Sky at the time was New Zealand's biggest pornographer. <laughs> yes. In terms of selling adult stuff. Oh, oh uh, talk, talking of that. I'll much. just finish that point quickly. Oh, okay. And right. um, and uh, we were kind of flying under the radar, um, um, and putting out. I'm mixing my metaphors, but putting our head above the parapet was. Mm. Uh, would likely get shot off, so he wasn't too pleased I was advertising it at all. Yeah. So I was trying to improve buy rates, but it was a good example of a real disconnect between what the boss wanted, what I wanted, yeah. and what my colleague wanted. And uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, this is the ads a bit dirty, Mike, but we're yeah. advertising the porn channel. Hard not to. Uh, we we had uh, Toby Talbot. Um, Who? Yeah. <laughs> we had a joking Toby. We. This time I did get Tony. approval for it, um, and we ran another ad uh, for the adult stuff that was, uh, they're also very good, mm. which involved a um, a kind of porno producer casting for... Um, I've seen that on Yeah, it was very funny. <laughs> oh, Mr. Darcy. Um, so I think we ought to talk about another, while we're talking about pornography, which is yeah. to be... Another another string to your bow was that <laughs> while you were marketing director of Sky, it was your job to choose the level of deviancy that was allowed to yes. to appear on the Sky porn channels. Well, it was it was once. I mean, what happened was you gave that job up. Well, somebody else, you know, <laughs> somebody else decided it was uh, we needed to be a bit more grown up about the whole thing. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, in the earlier years of Sky. There was a lot of blurring of responsibilities, and so somebody in the studio came to you with a list of sex acts. And the way the porno industry makes their films is they film it once. Yeah, talk me edit. through it. I never seen one. So. No, yeah. they, they they film it once and edit it twenty times depending mm. on the territory. So um, you know, if you're in a conservative country, um, it's heavily edited, so you just see. Not very much at all. Yeah. Um, the other end, it's all on. What other end? Literally at the other end, it's all on. And so my job was to go through a kind of tick sheet of various... Um, deviances. Deviances and sexual acts and say what I what was allowed in the territory or not. So uh, it was kind of kissing, yes, French kissing, yes. Uh, <laughs> ejaculation, I think so, yes, we'll say that. Uh, something called pinkage, which uh, uh, I ticked. I wasn't entirely sure what it was. Um, shortly after that, we then got a chief censor in to watch every single uh, every single porno. That was Pete Thompson. <laughs> it would have been a great job for Pete Thompson. It wasn't. Um, and he sat in a room in a booth for eight hours a day watching. Uh, <laughs> I bet he did. <laughs> a box of Kleenex <laughs> and a box of Kleenex. Yeah. Uh, so you had to go back to your. What have you done at work yeah. today, Dad? Well, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I, I got that uh, dubious honour. At one time, anyway, to do it, and uh, because I, I I seem to remember that somebody told me who'd watched these Sky channels. That I obviously hadn't that that uh, that um, anal sex was allowed, if I can say that, Jonathan. But ejaculation wasn't. It seemed to me to be. Kind of yeah, curious. I think you're probably right. Actually, you, you yeah. have a strangely encyclopedic knowledge of well, our uh, <laughs> of, of the services Sky had, Paul. I must say. Well, I just remember thinking that that was... That no, was I think you're of, right. I think you're that, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's quite strange. And it, and it said quite a lot about 
whoever was doing the censoring. Uh, Let's you know, move on. Possibly me. <laughs> yes. Uh, before we move on, ah. I did hear a story about uh, Babbage coming to your house in Ponsonby, putting the porno channels on and putting on full blast so the whole of Ponsonby could hear groans and moans coming emanating from your living room. That, that wasn't the Sky Porno channel. Okay. Um, no, one, one evening we were getting ready for Axis at my house, and I think Regan Grafton and Hugh James um, – and Mike were, um, and for some reason we had, yeah, we had the Playboy channel, like the Sky Softport on in the background. And then right. some, someone took a picture of Hugh, and the, you know, it was hot, so the doors were open. And someone took a picture of Hugh in his suit because he'd never worn a suit before. And in the background is the TV set with some various sexual acts going on. And then, it, then that, that picture eventually found its way to Facebook, whereupon his daughter saw it, who had some <laughs> had some questions. But... <laughs> Look at this, the tape recorder. It's running, it's running, it's running. Um. Anyway, putting 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 uh, pornography behind us. Um. What's your least favourite Sky ad you ever made? Well, I mean, um. I, you know, I guess there's a lot of ads we made that were so heavily retail. You know, they're just acquisition ads, and you know, I don't—they were practical, but I don't remember them with any yeah. particular fondness because they were just—you know—and we made a lot of those, you know, because we don't have a the sky doesn't have a retail yeah. presence, so they were kind of Harvey Norman esque in their execution. So they, they would be my least favorite in terms of more creative stuff. Yeah, things that uh, because there's certainly I'm not going to go into them because uh, mm. um, this is me trying to embarrass you, not the other way around. Mm. There's certainly in my life just things that that it sorry life career that I've gone. This is going to be brilliant, and it just hasn't worked out for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah, may, maybe I'm in denial about them. I'm sure they exist. I can't yeah. think of any. They're all wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's certainly ones that I regret. Um, you, you know that would cause me a lot of pain. Um, Ones that didn't work out. I mean, I think the ones that didn't work out, we, we, we were quite quickly, you know, the fallacy of push, push them aside and forget about it. It's not working. We'll just get them off. It's just you know. So, so what about regret? Can we talk about the ones that that you know this that this is great or it's been a bit of a headache? Well, I think the one it wasn't a DDB ad. It was, uh, we did a campaign with a draft draft FCB worked on always uh, a mistake. <laughs> Work, worked on Prime TV. Justin Mode was there at the time. <laughs> Mode, so there is a DDB oh. connection. And uh, when Mad Men uh, launched, yeah. and this is one of, by the way, interrupting myself. This is one of the problems for uh, TV companies: is their products ever changing? It's not like um, uh, uh, you know, Coca Cola, where yeah. Coca Cola is Coca Cola, and you can execute. Well, they took the cocaine ads. out, but other than that, apart yeah. from that, in eighteen, whatever it was, yeah. Uh, but apart from that, it's the same products, it's, so you don't have to worry about relaunching Coca-Cola no. too often. Uh, whereas with Sky TV and TV companies generally, you get it, you're basically launching a new product every few months, and you've got zero awareness of every product. You know, I remember, I can remember three examples. Uh, we, we we used to nominate the cover of the Skywatch magazine, which is the, the guide for, for Sky customers. Does it still happen, Skywatch? It's still going. Yeah, yeah. It's still going. It still makes a still makes a dollar. Um, 
And uh, Julie Blythe came to me and said, um, we want to put Downton Abbey on the cover. And I said, what the fuck's Downton Abbey? Mm. Oh, it's this new thing coming out of Britain. It's going to be really big. I've heard all that before. Yeah. Um, and they had a kind of stock shot of the entire staff. It was a shit cover if you didn't know what Downton Abbey was. Now it would be fantastic. Yeah. So, so we had that challenge. Every, Sky has that challenge every single time there's a new TV show coming out. It's a new product. You've got to market with zero awareness. And so when Mabin came out, um, the concept, as we all know, is advertising agency in the 1960s. And it was on Prime. Um, at the time, Prime, Prime TV, which is Sky own, Sky's own free-to-air channel, Sky's free-to-air channel, um, you know, it, it was a bit of a kind of Me Too kind of uh, channel because TV One dominates, TV One Two dominates, and TV Three is third place, and Prime is a distant fourth. So we want to do something interesting with that mm. concept, and so Draft came up with a fantastic idea which was to recreate um, an advertising agency in the style of a 1960s advertising agency. I did that. You <laughs> it's did It's called Bond Scatman Friends. <laughs> yeah, 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 well, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we ran some ads pretending we were launching this new yeah. uh, this, this new advertising agency. Receptionist required must be busty. Yeah. Um, uh, creative director... Uh, must be heterosexual or something like that, you know. And drink a lot. Yeah. And drink a lot. Uh, so the, the, there was all these anachronistic mm. type And then we ran one of the, the central themes of episode one of Mad Men was uh, it was a non Jewish uh, yeah. agency and they were desperate to get a Jewish client. And so we ran, ad, ran one ad about uh, agency sees clients, even Jewish clients. And I think we used the term even Jews, which was. A pejorative term, unless you're Jewish, in which case you can, it's fine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that caused a horrible, horrible stink. Uh, people were terribly offended. I had the Simon Wiesenthal, Senator from New York, calling me. I was accused of being a Holocaust denier. <laughs> I mean, and I completely understand, was educated around the fact that you can't, uh, you know, Jewish people in Tyler would be offended by anything that even smacks of anything anti-Semitic. So. Yeah. It was certainly not designed to be out as I completely regret doing that campaign from start to finish, particularly the the um the the, the, the Jewish angle. Yeah. And it was the other point about it is I, I think this is an interesting point. The communication from Prime was so off kilter, that type that style of advertising was completely alien to what prime tv stood for at the time yeah. and really we need to take the prime tv brand on a bit of a journey to give us the platform to go with that type of advertising it was just it was like shock and awe you know and it just didn't it fell miserably and the other point about it was you know madman on prime you, you know madman is a cable tv type of player yeah. and yeah. not a ratings play so so it was a miserable campaign from start to finish uh, even though creatively, um, it was it was very interesting. Very interesting, yeah. Which I think is an interesting lesson. D- did you tell of, uh, Julie that she was right that you should have put Downton Abbey on the cover? And uh, we also it? put Downton Abbey. There were two different stories. Uh, the, the 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 general point about trying to break new TV shows is difficult. It's a lot easier nowadays because you tend to get a bit of a groundswell in social media and uh, yeah. and the like whereas uh, in Downton Abbey Mad Men days you know you, you launch from a zero 
you, you know, I'll give you an example. Game of Thrones is finished, but everyone's already talking about the the, the sequel. You know, so there's always is there a sequel. There's going to be an offshoot. You know, of, uh, there you go. Spin off of. Uh, I Game didn't know, but yeah, there you go. Everybody apart from you is talking about it. But um, all Game of Thrones fans are. That was actually the other campaign I really liked. The um, we did a um, bring down uh, the king. Bring down the king. That was yeah. a great campaign. Uh, interesting example, actually, of um, the dangers of chasing creative awards. Good. Just a quick recap for our listener. That yes, <laughs> which is probably... uh, because creatively a fantastic campaign. The idea uh, was, was a... and it had a digital element, a social yeah. element. So that so the guy set up a statue of the evil king Joffrey, Joffrey in uh, the Aetius Square, and um, in Westeros, in Westeros, uh, and the idea was to bring down the king, and then you would uh, text a uh, a number, yeah, um, not text a number, you you you'd... you text, and every time you said something, him, bring down the it... king. Yeah. The, the ratchet would tighten and yeah. eventually it would bring the so so when we hit the number the the statue came down now I, I got a standing ovation i got a standing ovation at the hbo conference that i went to and showed that work they yeah. were actually on their feet uh, applauding me and fantastic it won awards left right and center y- y- you know in terms of reach it was actually tiny 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 yeah uh, and so you gotta be real careful in chasing the creatives awards too much and i do think your industry is obsessed with credit awards to the point of nausea from the client's perspective absolutely my industry is not your industry our industry sorry no yeah all right my industry, not me but not I, you our, our industry yes well i did you notice that when you were running that campaign that um i did notice your pizza uh, pizza we had hijacked a, the pizza so they were live streaming this um sky were live streaming it or uh, and yes. and there are only four people watching the live stream. Yes, but I live streaming it, so we sent down. So there's cameras on it permanently. So we sent down a, a dwarf. I don't think we got a day, like an hour's notice. We managed to find a dwarf and gave him a placard that said um, "Bastards pizza. are Bastards are people too." I think um, hell pizza. And That's so right. he he wandered around in front of the camera, and then the security guard came and and took him out. Now why what? was illegal about having someone walking around a public space with a placard i don't know but i think i might have done a monty burns there you know remove that placard (laughs) that placard person uh mike thank you so much for coming in uh it's been great to relive the um the glory days uh, glory days um when we were kings when we were (laughs) uh, in our teens um Thank you so much for that. Um, folks at home, I, I hope you've enjoyed it. If you know any um, a, a, another client who would uh, possibly provide some interesting content for us, let, um, let me know and we'll send Mike on his way back to the golf course. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, mate. You've been listening to Truth and Soul, the New Zealand Advertising Podcast. Okay, list of credits. Thank you very much um, to this week's guest, whoever he, she, or it might be. Uh, if you liked it, uh, drop us a line, uh, paul at truthandsoul.co.nz. Thank you very much to everyone at Franklin Road, uh, Jonathan Cole, uh, The Wastrel Shane, Vanessa and Gracie. Uh, Otis who did the logo and uh, Matt Stalker who's going to play us out thank you
found a hundred ways that our hands fit together. Centrifugal force pulls us apart. Please forgive my trembling hands, crudely silhouetted by the flickering spires of candlelight. While the wicked sleep sound, the anxious toss and turn, thoughts come not as single spies, but in battalions. While the wicked sleep sound, the anxious toss and Fascination with dendrology. The family tree is losing its leaves. Please forgive my trembling hands, crudely silhouetted by the flickering spires of candlelight. While the wicked sleep sound, the anxious toss and turn. Thoughts come not as single spies, but in battalions. While the wicked sleep sound, the anxious toss and turn.